Welcome to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast, your ultimate source of uncensored information on women's pelvic health. In this podcast, you will hear from health practitioners, holistic healers, nutrition experts, and fitness gurus, in addition to people who have or had suffered from chronic pelvic pain in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about pelvic floor disorders. I'm here to share with you what I've learned in my seven and counting years of personal experience with chronic pelvic pain. Approximately one-third of women suffer from pelvic pain. It's an unspoken epidemic. So many of us have it, yet no one talks about it. However, the mission of this podcast is to break the pelvic pain silence. The conversations are intimate, raw, and completely unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. With education, patience, and the proper tools and techniques, pelvic pain can be overcome. Welcome back to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck. I am a holistic health and wellness coach, and I have suffered from chronic pelvic pain for many years. So this is a topic that really continues to fascinate me each and every day, and that I love talking about and learning more about. And so today's episode is going to be a pelvic pain story episode with a very close family friend of mine named Julie. I've known Julie my whole life, and I can't wait to have her share her story with you guys today, but she has suffered from pelvic pain and IC, which is short for interstitial cystitis, for about the past eight or so years. So she is just going to talk about her journey and her healing process and what she has gone through. So Julie, thank you for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Julie. I'm 48 years old. I'm a mother of three children, 24, 22, and 19. I have had IC, interstitial cystitis, for eight years. Most probably diagnosed with, you know, IC five years ago. So for three years, I was pretty much running the gamut of going from doctor to doctor and different therapies trying to figure it out. But the last five years, I've had a clear diagnosis of IC. And the pelvic pain that you had started before the diagnosis or after the diagnosis? So it presented itself like urinary tract infections about eight years ago. My symptoms were constant burning sensation and frequent urination. And I went to my obstetrician and he would prescribe me antibiotics, typically um, Cipro, Mm -hmm. which is used to treat urinary tract infections. The symptoms would abate and then maybe four weeks later, I'd get the same symptoms again. Right. And I'd go back to the doctor and I would be, I have another urinary tract infection. And prophylactically, because I've had a 20-year relationship with him, he would just over the phone prescribe me another urinary Mm -hmm. tract infection, antibiotic. The symptoms would abate, and I would get it again and again and again. It was recurring. And I thought maybe I wasn't taking the pills correctly. Maybe I skipped one, but they just wouldn't go away. And I haven't had urinary tract infections at all. Mm-hmm. I never had it as a teenager. I never had it as a young adult. All of a sudden, I was getting them, and 
I honestly thought maybe because I was separated, getting divorced, and for the first time in relationships, intimate relationships, maybe, and I was having sex more often, maybe it was from that. So it kind of made sense in a way that I was getting urinary tract infections, but unbeknownst to me, as I further went to, uh, be, you know, be seen, and I went to urologists, not just my gynecologist, they told me that it was not a urinary tract infection. And whenever you have symptoms like this, you really need to test and retest and test and retest. That's how you know if you really have a urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. So unbeknownst to me, I never had a urinary tract infection. What they had diagnosed me with was um, interstitial cystitis mm-hmm. and pelvic floor pain. With pelvic floor pain. Because most people who have IC have pelvic pain as well. Yes. And so you went to physical therapy? So I started out going to various urologists Mm -hmm. because I hadn't found the one that I clicked with. Mm -hmm. Um, The first urologist that I went to was at um, Mount Kisco Medical Group, and he told me urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. Then I went back to my gynecologist, and he said, I really think you need to see a urogynecologist. So I went to see a urogynecologist and also a regular um, urologist in Greenwich. The woman who was a regular urogynecologist in Greenwich had a horrible bedside manner, and she really dismissed a lot of my pain and said, I think you need to go for pelvic floor therapy. I have a great physical therapist. Go to her, go to her twice a week, and then we'll take it from there. She wanted to put me on a Elevil, mm-hmm. and she was hoping that that could abate my symptoms. And she was also giving me um, hydroxamine, which is almost like a Benadryl. So at mm-hmm. night, I would easily fall asleep and I wouldn't be in pain. It helps with like the itching and the burning. It helps, I think, with the burning, but I actually just think it knocks you out, so uh-huh. you don't feel anything. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that either, yeah. and I just really didn't want to use drugs, you yeah. know, to to treat this I didn't like her I moved along and I found myself this incredible um, urogynecologist but he couldn't see me for a week or two weeks and I was in terrible pain and I was leaving to go away with my husband so I said I have to see somebody so I saw a Dr. Jay Matola, my daughter's friends with his son and he got me in right away and I saw him at his hospital, which is Mount Sinai in New York City, and he did a cystoscope. And at that time, I think I was a little nervous because my dad was just diagnosed with bladder cancer, so mm-hmm. all these thoughts were going through my head that, oh my God, maybe it's bladder cancer, maybe it's right. bladder cancer, maybe like all these doctors are wrong. I have to have somebody go in and I mm-hmm. have to like physically see what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So we did a cystoscope and everything looked healthy and fine. He really believed in his theory that my uterus was tilted and that was putting pressure on my bladder and that all the holes, he said, are so 
jammed together. You know, your vaginal hole, your rectal hole, and your bladder hole, they're all jammed together. That, that's why I was in discomfort. He really believed that that was putting pressure on me. Mm-hmm. And I never, you know, checked his theory out to see if it was true or not. I went away. He gave me medicine prophylactically in case I had a flare-up, and I was actually okay. When I got back, I went to see Brian Hines, who's a gyno, a urogynecologist in Stanford, Connecticut, and I really felt like I was in great hands. And he gave me the option to do infusions. Mm-hmm. And so once a week, for a few months, I would go to him, and it was a cocktail, and I don't quite remember the exact cocktail but it was an infusion and it actually worked. What, an infusion where and of what? And it was an infusion, a vaginal infusion where they actually um, put like an IV in you mm-hmm. and they inject medicine into your bladder. So you're not taking it orally, right. but it's going into your bladder. And basically it would work for two weeks and then I'd get the same mm-hmm. symptoms again. And I did it for a while because I thought it was less invasive than going in and having a procedure in the OR. But after a while, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I go once a week. It's not doing anything for me. It's so uncomfortable to be catheterized. And I still have the same pain. And I was also going for physical therapy. And the woman would manipulate me down there with her fingers inside of me, and it would feel okay for that day. Mm-hmm. Maybe two days later. In physical would, therapy. In physical uh-huh. therapy. But then it goes right back. Yeah. It's like a rubber band snaps right back yeah. to the same problems. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. I'm spending once a week getting infused, once a week with some stranger's fingers in me. Yeah. And it's like, for what yeah and she basically was telling me what i could do at home Mm -hmm. so i was doing it at home and i was like i don't really need to go like this is just not i don't have enough hours in my day to like do this Mm -hmm. and i kind of wanted aggressive treatment so dr hines in stanford was really on the aggressive path Mm -hmm. and he suggested i do hydrodistension and hydrodistension is where they go in with a cystoscope mm-hmm. and they basically enlarge your bladder. I had that. And they mm-hmm. snap the the red veins which are causing you all the pain that's are like I guess they're lesions or whatever they are in your bladder. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked for six months and I was really I wouldn't say pain free, but if I had seventy five percent pain before I only had 25% mm-hmm. pain. Right. So it really worked. Right. And I did it again nine months later. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that I have to do maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, but um, it does work. Mm-hmm. I'm very in tune with my body, Hannah, and I really believe that this is autoimmune mm-hmm. I don't know where it came from mm-hmm. I know that I have two autoimmune diseases I have this and I have celiac and I got them really simultaneously mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with both I think that um, 
things that I eat do affect it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, or things that I consume affect it, meaning when I drink coffee, I think it doesn't help. Yeah. I think alcohol goes bothers me. Me too. Every night that I have a s- alcohol, I lay in bed and I feel pain. Me too. That night. So there has to be some correlation yeah. between what you consume and not that it makes it, uh, that it causes it, but that it aggravates it. Yeah. I think that I have to be very careful when I exercise to avoid any kind of yeast infection because I do a lot of spinning and a lot of running and I perspire down there. So if I am not very um, quick with a shower or changing, the symptoms get Mm -hmm. worse Mm -hmm. because a yeast infection on top of this does not help. It actually makes me much worse see stars um i'm 48 i'm perimenopausal mm-hmm. and i'm seeing that right around the time that i ovulate if i still ovulate or right before my menstrual cycle my symptoms get worse mm-hmm. my doctor believes that my symptoms will either go away completely with the menopause or or get worse mm-hmm. So I'm praying that they go, go away. away. Yeah. And then what are some things that you do like every day or in your d- day-to-day life that can help if there are any things that specific things that you do? Well, even when I am symptom-free, mm-hmm. I still go to the bathroom more than the average person. So do I. So I probably go to the bathroom, and more at night. Mm-hmm. So I go to the bathroom probably a few times each hour. Mm-hmm. I avoid, on long rides, drinking. Yeah. I avoid drinking before I go on a long ride. Because nothing's more uncomfortable than being on a road trip and having to go to the bathroom. So I don't drink coffee in my car. I don't even have water in my car for myself. Right. And I try to give my bladder, you know. A break. A break. Yeah. So right now you would say that you're, what, like 85% better? No, I would say I'm about 75%. 75? I don't think it ever gets past yeah, 75%. I know. Uh-huh. Especially because I'm perimenopausal. My hormones are like going haywire right now. Mm-hmm you know and um like right now i feel great i right. don't have any symptoms for a while i was having a lot of rectal pain and a lot of ic pain because i had an undiagnosed yeast infection and yeah i remember it wasn't inside it wasn't vaginally it was actually in the rectal area from sweating from spinning and stuff like that and i had to go on a a course of um like antifungal creams and antibiotics to make that go away and that was actually very painful when you get a yeast infection that's not internal when it's really just on the skin it it, it pounds it yeah. burns so i had it like both ends i had a flare-up mm-hmm. with ic and i had this rectal pain so i actually that was bad for three months it was awful i, I remember when you had that <laughs> I could not clear it. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then also hydrodistension was the most helpful treatment that you so had to date. the most aggressive treatment I've done so They did far. it to me like before they even knew I had IC though. Because they kind And of, I don't even have I. They told me, they did, did it two, work? No. Yeah. Didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. It, hurt, it was really uncomfortable. But. For me, well, it was sleep during it. Me too. But then after I was I uncomfortable. think you get worse before you get yeah. better. For me, it, you know, for me it worked. I, um, I don't have incontinence mm-hmm. issues. I don't have, you know, where you sneeze, a lot of women who have had children. Right. You know, their, their bladders drop. I don't have any of those issues. My issues are just bladder discomfort. You're, when you have an IC flare-up, does your pelvic pain get worse? Yes. And what are your pelvic pain symptoms? I just feel... And I remember your grandma Mona saying mm-hmm. this to me when I used to call her when I would like see stars yeah. and I was miserable and nobody, everybody thought I was crazy and I could only call somebody who knew the pain. Yeah. She said to me, most women don't even know they have a lower half. Right. But when she you said that to me too. with IC, you constantly feel your lower half. Yeah. It's like a clock ticking down there. It's like I always know my anatomy mm-hmm. is talking to me mm-hmm. like always like, you feel it you're uh, aware of it it's crazy i know i it's have the same thing right yeah. it's crazy and it's like sometimes i can't wait to get my menstrual cycle because i feel like all these symptoms will finally go away when right. i get it because they I have a flare-up right before i get it right it's like a rise in my hormones and when you have the pelvic pain, is it burning and itching, or what exactly do you feel? I never feel? have itching, Hannah. Yeah. Never, ever, ever have itching. I have. It's like a, it's like a urinary tract infection feeling. It's like a burning. It's an annoying. It's like a discomfortable. It's discomfort. Yeah, That's me too. It's the only way to sum it up. It's yeah. discomfort. Yeah. And annoying. And even after you go to the bathroom, you still feel like you have to go. And like I, the feeling doesn't go away. That's right. Yeah, I and have I that. feel like I constantly have to empty my bladder. Yeah. They once told me at the urologist that it's a sensory thing. So like the second that your bladder fills up, your mind's telling you that you have to go, which makes sense. But then at the same time, it's like, how do you stop that sensory? Well, I remember a doctor saying to me, you need to retrain your bladder. Right, I've been told and that I too. But like, okay, when I'm on an exercise bike and I'm spinning, I if my bladder feels full, I can't concentrate on exercising. All yeah. I want to do is empty my bladder. Yeah. So I'm conscious that before any exercise, I empty my bladder. Yeah. Even if it's a drop. Uh huh. Because it, my body can't handle a full bladder. I know. And when you exercise, does, do you feel better afterwards? Like, does it help your symptoms? Or I don't know. Maybe it's like a mental thing where you just feel it's just better a mentally. It's for me, so I do it. I actually feel fine. It's not like I'm running marathons or anything. It's like an hour yeah. a day, but I feel fine as long as I empty my bladder beforehand. But does it make? Does it help your symptoms? Like, do you feel better after or no? It doesn't. It doesn't really if do much. If I have much. a flare up, it does nothing. Helps. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing will help. Does spinning make it worse ever? No. Some I people say spinning can aggravate pelvic yeah, pain. Yeah, I'm but. sure that it's caused those other symptoms yeah. for me. But I think when I have a flare-up, nothing makes it better. Yeah. When the flare-up goes away, then I'm fine. Because I'm so 
intuitive mm -hmm. to my symptoms, my body, and the cycle of how this happens, I really believe that it peaks and exacerbates when my hormone levels change and I become, you know, when I'm, you know, a week away mm -hmm. from my period. I have the same thing. And I think after my period, I'm fine. Right. And then when I ovulate or when I'm about to get my period again, it peaks back up again. Right. And I remember my urologist saying it can get worse mm -hmm. or it can get better. Mm-hmm with menopause so i'm waiting i know to see right <laughs> i don't know what the next course of treatment is i don't know other than hydrodistension what could be more aggressive yeah i haven't gotten to that point to figure out like what what could be more aggressive yeah um I mean, it was so bad at one point. I was like, they could just take my bladder out. I know. Like, the pain is just so bad. And you, like, look on a, you know, a picture of how big a bladder is. And it's, like, the smallest thing. And you're like, how could something so small cause so much, much pain? pain? I know. How do you deal with it mentally? Interesting. Well, you know, my husband's been very sympathetic and he understands he doesn't really want me drinking coffee at night. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want me drinking alcohol ever, really, because yeah. he really believes that it's not good for me. Mm -hmm. And when I do these things at night, the, sometimes the only comfort I have is laying on my side or laying on my stomach on mm -hmm. a pillow. Mm -hmm. um, and sadly for him, I'm like, stay away. <laughs> Don't come near me. Stay away. No vacancy. Because you can't even I know, think about it. I know. Like, you, the thought is scary. I know. Yeah. It's tough. The whole thought mm -hmm. of intimacy while you're having a flare-up, it's like... But when you're not having a flare-up, it's fine. fine. I'm fine. And it doesn't cause any pain? No pain. Uh-huh. No pain. And like if when you're having a flare up, what do you is there anything that you like can tell yourself on those days in order to like get through it easier or no you're actually just... when I'm having a really bad flare up, yeah. I like to sit in a bathtub. It helps. A hot like a like a yeah. warm to hot bathtub. It I don't know if it does, but mentally it makes me feel better. better. Yes, a lot actually of people say that it helps. Yeah. Uh huh. Actually I think so. I'm actually begging David to get a hot tub. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, if I ever have a flare-up and I just sit in a hot tub at You'll night... You'll feel better. I'll feel better. Yeah. I'll sit in it all day. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to think that it would be better. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I am right now. Okay. And another question I have is, is there any time that you've been to a doctor and they've told you something that just, like, was really crazy or something that you found to just be like not helpful or not make any sense or like a bad diagnosis that you kind of think that other people should know about like is there anything that stands out to you that you've heard from doctor well it's interesting because then uh -huh. i went to this female urologist in mm -hmm. greenwich and she wasn't a uro gynecologist she was strictly a urologist which she said to me you know julie i'm going to check you for 
venereal diseases mm -hmm. because these symptoms can happen from venereal diseases and I said to myself oh my god me with a venereal disease mm -hmm. like I'm a clean girl like I don't yeah. sleep around I'm married to a guy man I was divorced for a period of time yeah you know but I was like mm, okay and she goes well listen if you have a venereal disease the plus side of that is I can treat it and this can go away so the first time in my life, I was praying for a venereal disease. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Like, I was praying. But that was so far from the issue. It was so far from the issue, but I was praying like, oh, I'll take a venereal disease if this will go away. Oh, I I'll, know. you know, maybe I got it sitting on a toilet. Like, Most I Most people, yeah. I don't care. Like, oh, give it to me. Oh, please. I cannot believe that I was sitting I in know. stirrups praying that I had <laughs> a venereal disease. Well, I feel like I've talked to a few people the past few weeks who actually reached out to me and they, I guess, started recently thinking that they had pelvic pain and they've been taking antibiotics and doing the same things that everyone starts with and they have pelvic pain, they're on antibiotics thinking it will go away and then you realize the antibiotics don't do anything but they're like, I just want an infection because I want the antibiotics to work. Like, give me any infection, an STD, whatever it is, I don't care. Like as long as I could just take a pill and make it go away, I'm exactly. happy. And that's just unfortunately not the case with pelvic pain. Exactly. I will never forget the time that I was on an airplane. Uh -huh. And this is a very funny story. So I was on an airplane and I was going to Europe with David and I was mortified that like the whole entire plane mm -hmm. thought I was like a drug addict because every 20 minutes I got up to go to the bathroom <laughs> and it's like embarrassing because it's like not only is it annoying especially for me but people are looking at you like what is she doing in the bathroom and when I fly I don't mm -hmm. know if it happens to you but my bladder's far worse when I'm flying in the air I don't notice when I'm flying but um, I think gravity has something does something to, do to with it. it. Yes. One other. This is the last question that I have for you. Um, how? Because anyone who has IC or pelvic pain or any sort of bladder, vaginal, rectal issues, most of the time, have been to doctors who have told them that it's in their head, or have friends who have told them that it's in their head. Someone has told them that it's in their head. So that I mean, I know personally and from a lot of other people that I've spoken to, how frustrating that is, but what is your reaction and response when people tell you that it's in your head? Well, firstly, it's not in my head. Right, and, and we I know it's not explain, in your head. Like everything, it, it's real, but. To people when they're like, oh, I have bladder issues too. I sneeze and I pee, mm -hmm. or, you know, my bladder has been, no. I see is a real diagnosis, and I wouldn't have believed it until I saw my own pictures after hydrodistension. Mm -hmm. So a normal bladder looks like a pinky ball. The kind that hydrodistension, hold on, just so we can make it clear what exactly it is, is they put you to sleep, they give you like local anesthesia, mm -hmm. and they fill your bladder with some sort of fluid. Then they let it out. Then they fill so it they can see. So they can see how your bladder empties. Right. And basically, based on how much your bladder empties or how many cc's your bladder can actually take shows how bad your IC 
actually and is. and um, people with IC have like lesions inside of their bladder Correct. So that cause so the pain when I saw the pictures which is mm -hmm. interesting because they take pictures actually while they're performing the procedure a normal healthy bladder looks like one of those bouncy pink balls mm -hmm. and my bladder looks very pink with red veins all over the place right so they know that it's completely an unhealthy bladder mm -hmm. due to IC. So once the hydrodistension is done, I think it gets rid of all those red lesions. Mm -hmm. It like pops them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, your bladder goes back, to, I guess, to that pink. Mm -hmm. um, but you put so back to the question about how you respond when people tell you that this isn't like negative, real i haven't had really negative response anybody who's familiar mm -hmm. with this and well versed in this mm -hmm. would would never say mm -hmm. it's in my head my sister has a very dear friend of hers who was a urologist mm -hmm. who's and my sister would ask many questions as a urologist in south florida and she's like my sister's always in pain he says to her it's a horrible horrible disease yeah. it is not made up it is totally 100% real. People used to think like fibromyalgia, it was in someone's head, mm -hmm. but it's not. And he told my sister that usually it's autoimmune and mm -hmm. he really believes that if you have one autoimmune, you could have three. Mm -hmm. So usually it comes with another one and I have celiac and I have- I see. I see and I, waiting for the third yeah god forbid but i'm just saying so he really told my sister it's a really thing and it's really hard to treat yeah it's really complicated and hard to treat and free they're, they're learning more and more and more about it but it's really hard to treat i actually don't know do men get icy i actually don't know that either i think they can really i assume they have a bladder but he did say it's something that he's seen it's yeah. hard to treat he knows about and it's painful mm -hmm. so in conclusion i see is real pelvic pain is real this is not something that women made up it's actually a really big problem um and obviously it's not from childbirth which is what right. i initially thought because you haven't had children yet right. and you have it so i really think that it's i mean i'm not a doctor but mm -hmm. i think it has to be autoimmune mm -hmm because or I have different it. people you could have, have it for different reasons right, but right. yeah um and then is there any tip that you have for the listeners like i mean you've given so many tips but like anything else that you think would be something useful for people to take away that you know has been helpful in your life firstly i would really if you have these symptoms i wouldn't prophylactically use medicine, I would be a little bit more aggressive mm -hmm. than just taking, you know, various medicines to see if it goes away. I would really make sure that it wasn't a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't treat any symptom as though it was a urinary tract infection without really testing it. I would also, um, if you're single and you're out there and you have various sex partners or mm -hmm. you know one or whatever I would really make sure 
that you're screened and that person's screened because you never know how this comes mm -hmm. about. If it's not autoimmune, maybe it came from an infection. Somebody else, mm -hmm. From an infection. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, p women who've been diagnosed with HPV, if they also have these symptoms. I don't know. I've had a scare with that also. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this comes from. I just think women have to be extremely cautious and careful and um, protect themselves because, you know, this could come about if you're, I mean, it could come about if you're sexually active. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't no know. No one knows. No one knows. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, just keep your eyes and ears yeah. open. I cannot agree more. I think that the most important thing that women can do for their health is to be their own advocate and to always be as in tune with their body as they possibly can be. So I think that that's amazing advice. Um, and my quick tip for this week is if you are avoiding coffee because it irritates your bladder, um, makes you have to go to the bathroom more often, causes urgency, frequency, burning, pain, whatever it may be, and you are replacing caffeinated coffee with decaf coffee, decaf coffee is just as acidic as regular coffee. So even though it doesn't have the caffeine content, it is still acidic and can cause similar if not the same burning itching frequency urgency um, all of the urinary symptoms that caffeinated coffee can create um, it's really the acid obviously it's the caffeine as well but the acid can cause a lot of bladder discomfort so if I were you and you notice that coffee is really irritating your bladder I would not drink decaf as well as caffeinated coffee and I would see how you feel you know it doesn't mean cut it out forever but cut it out for a week and see if that makes any difference in the sensations in your bladder the discomfort in your bladder that you are having because the acid can really be very irritating to your stomach and if your stomach is irritated your bladder will become irritated as well so I hope that this episode was helpful for you guys and I really want to hear your feedback on you know what you guys think and feel about the pelvic pain stories if they're interesting for you to hear if they resonate with you if they make you feel better if they make you feel some sort of comfort and if they make you feel that you're not alone please leave me comments you can message me on Instagram you can email me however you prefer to get in touch with me but you know let me know what what you think of this any advice you have any sort of feedback i welcome it all please like this episode subscribe to the podcast and share it with everyone because this is information that really could benefit so many people so as much as i'm here to spread the word it's up to you guys to spread the word as well thank you 